Howdy, friends. Welcome to my first Ask Me Anything episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. This is my show. Thanks for tuning in. Here it comes again. Okay, the words you are hearing right now have been written beforehand. I have skimmed over all the questions, and I don't have any kind of responses written for most of them. I would like to give a genuine reaction and real-time answer to those that don't require much research or catching up first. There are a couple of questions that I had to do some light googling in order to have a better idea of the situation. Actually, I did not use Google. I used DuckDuckGo. So hopefully my results weren't too terribly compromised. Anyway, I have grouped some of these questions together that are similar, so I might be able to answer a couple of them at the same time. I am now going off script. And here we go. This is from the first time that I asked for questions, which was several months ago. Anyway, starting with my buddy Adam, how about you talk about you? I believe I, I believe a lot of people know you from all these guitar videos. Talk about that. I'd love to hear where it all started and came from, even if I've heard it before. Smiley face emoji, heart emoji. Thank you, Adam. Uh, I'm going to read two more questions that are similar. One is from Chris. I'd honestly love to hear about your playing, how you got started, your practice, and recording regiments, your approach to getting that sweet tone you have. Thanks, Chris. I think it'd be really interesting. Okay. And Daniel asks, how did you start playing guitar? So I'm going to put all of those three together, and we'll start from the beginning. One day, I was born. <laughs> no. So I got a guitar from one of my dad's friends and I didn't really have an interest in playing music kind of at all. I don't even know if that ever crossed my mind other than just goofing around on a piano or something and trying to play something by ear, like a little commercial or jingle or something. And my dad's friend just gave me a guitar. I, I don't recall much around that moment. I just remember receiving the guitar and I just started playing around a little bit. I had no idea what I was doing. And my buddy, Derek Williams, he, he was actually learning how to play guitar or could play guitar at the time already and was teaching me how to read guitar tablature. And I think we played <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit. I think I did the power chords. I held the power chords with my left hand and strummed those. And then Derek did the muting strum. I don't think either of us could get the rhythm down good enough to play individually. We had to team up to play the riff right. And it was pretty funny if I'm remembering that correctly, which I think I am. Honestly, I don't remember how I learned how to hold or pick or anything. I don't, I, I think I was just looking at magazines or videos or something. I didn't 
get online at the time. I didn't have online access or internet, YouTube or anything like that for quite a while after that moment. So it took me a while to get help from the internet, but I guess that's why my picking position was kind of compromised for a long time because I just taught myself and played whatever was comfortable. And that obviously got more comfortable over time. And I've since been able to kind of turn my fingers completely the opposite direction. And it now feels much better, much tighter. Anyway, I'm getting stuck into the details. I learned how to play eventually well enough to start figuring things out by ear and then reading tablature to make sure I was in the right area on guitar, even though some of those were not accurate anyway. But I was able to start playing harder and harder stuff. And my cousin gave me a Metallica CD, the Black Album. That's why I'm very biased when it comes to people talking crap about that album or Metallica being terrible after Justice. Because that was the first I ever heard of Metallica. So that album holds a very special place in my heart. And it made stumbling upon the older albums even more impactful. So I started getting into learning more Metallica stuff, which made things a little more difficult. Once I was able to strum and get more of a rhythm down, then I could start getting more technical with some of these Metallica riffs and eventually solos. And it was really inspiring. And then I started really paying a lot more attention to the vocal aspect and the melodies and structure and being able to incorporate that in my own songwriting. And of course, my best friend, Brent Wiggins, who I was in a band with for a very long time, him and I started playing together and we listened to Metallica like crazy. So we would cover a lot of songs, try to figure them out together, play them together, whatever. And I think that still plays a part in some of my songwriting today. Maybe not a bunch, but it certainly helped me mature, mature as a musician. And of course, playing all that stuff with Brent all those years, that's another reason why that album and just Metallica in general holds a special place to me. To not get bogged down too much there and address more of these questions, Chris also asked about practice and recording regiments. Recording regiments are just, that's all self-taught as well. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I don't know what frequencies are best. I don't know how compression works. I've looked so many times, <laughs> tried to learn all that crap. And there's just some certain things that I can grasp, but I just haven't really spent the proper amount of time learning every single thing about every single plugin, how to automate, how to achieve certain sounds. I just tweak everything by my ears and probably waste a lot of time because if I knew how to achieve things more efficiently, then I could probably get there faster if I knew more about the inner workings of stuff. But what I'm getting at is I don't have a whole lot to share there because it's all self-taught and probably all wrong. <laughs> and as far as practicing goes, that's, that's not a strong point for me at all. Practicing has never been something that I've been that good at unless it's for a show or for something specifically or to learn something for a reason. I rarely sit down and practice my instrument or just goof around learning songs or anything like that. If I'm going to learn a song or a riff or something, I'm probably going to make a video out of it or do a little 
cover or, or something. I just don't really spend a lot of time doing what seems like non-productive things, even though, you know, practicing is always good. It's always productive unless you're over-practicing and, you know, ruining your fingers or something. Because I could certainly do that. I've played too much one night and then my fingers hurt or I get the soreness under my fingernail like I'm ripping my skin from my fingernail and I can hardly even push down on the fretboard without crying the next day. So that's that's not good because then I can't practice the next day. I can't play anything the next day. I don't know if that answered the question enough. You know, that's 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 how I got started. I, I was given a guitar pretty much. So I have no idea what kind of path I would have ended up on if I never got that guitar because I never had an interest in guitar. Not that I know of. I don't recall saying, hey, I want to play guitar and then one appearing eventually. But yeah, it would be interesting to see in an alternate universe. Up next... So two questions that I received today, one from Casey. She asks, what techniques do you use to shift to a more positive perspective when it comes to situations that hurt or anger you? And Nick says, what spurred you to seek out mindfulness? These two questions are linked because mindfulness is something that helped with shifting perspectives in situations that hurt or anger me. So let's talk about that. Mindfulness came from meditation first. I was interested in meditating and I just started listening to podcasts and Sam Harris, who was on Joe Rogan's podcast, that's how I found out about Sam Harris. I started listening to a lot of his podcasts and while a lot of them were and are sometimes very political and all sorts of other stuff, but there was a lot about meditation and mindfulness as well. And I eventually bought his book, Waking Up, that talks about meditation and mindfulness. And it was very, very interesting to me. It was, it was like seeing things from outside of my, like the normal way I see things. It's like I was able to take a couple of steps back and see it from a wider angle, if that makes any sense. And in that process, meditation took me a while to fully understand and to be somewhat successful in, but I eventually found quite a bit of peace in it because one of my biggest goals in meditation is to be able to separate myself from my thoughts, separate myself from things that are bothering me or just keep resurfacing that make me sad or upset or just concentrating on things that I have no control over. So basic mindfulness is something that I, I have to incorporate every day. For example, reading things on Facebook. That, that can upset or bother almost anyone these days. And the challenge or the test, I guess, would be how long is it going to upset you? How long is it going to bother you? Do you confront any, anyone or any situation? Or do you just ignore it in the moment and carry it for the rest of the day or rest of the week. That's something that I had a lot of issues with, not on social media. It was just in general relationships, work, anything. I would constantly dwell on things. I would think about the past. I would replay scenarios, conversations over and over and over again. And none of them I was able to change. It's one thing to replay things 
over and over again in order to learn from it or to try to better understand the situation or to see it through a different lens. But that's not what I was doing. It's like I was trying to change what happened. And that is such a waste of time. And it just makes you feel like shit. So I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, it still happens, but I'm able to catch myself much faster now because of just general mindfulness. Mindfulness is just being aware of what you're thinking and why you're doing what you're doing, why you're thinking what you're thinking, which you don't always know, obviously. You know, you, you can get a random terrible thought in your head and think, I, I didn't think that. Why did that come into my head? That's not me. That has nothing to do with me or my beliefs or anything. It's it's just a weird anomaly. But anyway, the things that you do find yourself getting upset about or emotionally reacting to, I've always had a problem with anger and reacting, like emotionally reacting in the moment way too fast. And usually reacting in a way that five minutes later, I feel like, fuck, why did I react that way? That was mean, or that wasn't accurate. That That's not how I really feel. It's it's like the anger in the moment just came out and misrepresented what I who I feel like I really am, or who I feel like I really want to be. And it still happens, but that's something that I'm, once again, able to lasso in much better, much faster. Of course, I still get mad. I still get plenty mad. But I think about times in the past where I got mad, I stayed mad, and I held grudges or whatever, and made terrible decisions because I was emotionally compromised. And now I don't do that anymore. I can get mad, but I don't let it affect my decision making. That is a huge thing for me. So to answer Casey's question as far as what do I do to shift to a more positive perspective when situations hurt me or anger me, I just, I have to process it. You, it's not like, bang, something happens and whoop, shift to a better perspective. No, you're, immediately you're going to be pissed off. You're going to be sad, you know, crying, whatever. And you need to let that not run its full course, but you need to catch that. You need to put a net around it immediately once you know it's happening. Once you are outside of yourself and you can see what is happening. Almost as if you are watching someone else reacting to something horrible and you are trying to put your arms around them to comfort them, to help them feel safe. You can do that to yourself in your mind. You understand what's going on and you know that it's temporary. You don't, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to keep feeling this way. You don't have to let this feeling get out of control or worse than it is. Road rage. You get pissed off when someone cuts you off. You know it happens. I know it happens. It happens. But I don't roll my window down and wave my fist. I don't try to throw shit at them. I don't yell. If I'm going to yell, I'm going to yell in my vehicle like, you know, what the fuck? Idiot. You could have killed me. You know, and if I could let it ruin the rest of my drive, it could make me cut somebody else off and then not care because, hey, I just got cut off. You know, fuck everybody else. And that how, how selfish does that actually seem once you look at it from that perspective? It's not all about you. Everybody's out there together. So suck it up. Shit happens. You didn't get hit. You, you aren't dead. So, hey, let's move on. It's very hard to do in the moment. It's extremely hard to do in the moment. But once you are able to meditate or just be more mindful about 
what is happening in front of you or in your head or, or whatever is going on, once you are able to sit somewhat outside of yourself and analyze and understand, I think you will have a much easier time letting go of things or filtering things in the future so it doesn't get, you know, there's no explosion or prolonged pain or whatever. And of course, it takes people, however long it takes people to go through grieving processes or anything like that, which we'll just say you lose a parent. I, at the time of recording this, I still have my parents and I have not experienced that. I've lost grandparents, but I have not lost my parents. So I have not experienced that yet. And I don't, I can't speak for anyone who has, but I imagine that's something that probably takes a big toll on a lot of people. And I can't tell you that you're going to just eventually get over it. I can tell you that I think there's a way to alleviate a lot of it, but you have to be willing to do so. You have to have a better understanding of what's going on mentally, not just letting your emotions rule over all of your thoughts and everything. The mind is so powerful that you are experiencing something stressful in your head and your whole body physically suffers from it when there's no reason to. It's just, it's, it's somewhat of a manifestation in a way. I'm not trying to devalue the seriousness of any sort of physical side effects from anyone at all. I'm just saying that you can put yourself in a better mental state that might make you physically feel better rather than feeling worse. I could certainly elaborate more on that and I would love to, and I will do so in the future. But for now, I guess I should probably continue on to the next questions. I would just urge anyone and everyone to seek out general mindfulness. Whether you get there first before meditation or through meditation, both of those things I would highly recommend everyone to look into. But you have to take it serious and you have to have an open mind. If you get frustrated because it's just you think you're not making any progress from sitting there for five minutes, that's part of the challenge. You just have to get through that. Once you break through some walls, I don't see how anyone would regret that. <laughs> so give it a shot. Please. Moving on. Will Douglas asks, if the government wins their antitrust case and Facebook is busted up, do you think it will make society better or worse off? That is a fantastic question. And I was thinking about that the other day when I saw something shared about it. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be fantastic just because of how much bickering and bullshit is thrown around so much but there's also a lot of positive things shared around and exposed and whatnot we, we just focus on the negative bullshit always that's just what we're wired to do or something so getting rid of all the negative and the positive just all of it all together i mean we we operated fine without it before right I don't know when most of the social media or, or any of the social media stuff started, but we've been with it now for what, 13 or 14 years, I guess, something like that. And I mean, that's, that's a, that's a teenager. That is a whole teenager's worth of adapting to something and getting used to something and taking that away could be pretty intense, but that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not really sure. I'm sure I would find reasons to be upset about it or 
bothered because now I can't do this or I can't expose this or how am I going to advertise this or how am I going to whatever? Because, I mean, a lot of people get their dopamine hits from, from all the likes and interactions and reactions and all that jazz. So there would probably be pretty different effects on different people. I think it would free up a lot of time <laughs> for a lot of people and we would probably get over it pretty fast. So I don't know. I don't really have a solid answer on that, but it is a very interesting thing to think about. My buddy Jimmy says, Metallica or Pantera? Jimmy, that's a tough one. But when it comes to a band, all around band, I'm going to say Metallica. I mean, I mentioned earlier about how what a special place they have, their albums have, in my musical essence. So I'm going to have to say Metallica. But while there's certainly some technical stuff in Metallica here and there, uh, the riffs and solos of Dime, that's just, there's, there's no comparison. Jake asks, why is it a hot water heater and not just a water heater? Jake, that's silly. It is not a hot water heater. It is just a water heater. The question is, why do people say hot water heater? You're not going to heat the hot water, people! Seth asks, favorite Meshuggah song? Seth, I don't have one. I've never really been into them that much. Kind of at all. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry about that, but and no disrespect. It's just not something that I really ever got into. I will say sometimes when a random song comes on, I find it interesting, but the the timing, the timing, I, I can't catch a lot of the grooves or understand what's going on in a lot of spots. I'm kind of timing dumb when it comes to that. I mean, I'm just, I'm a 4-4 dude, I guess. I try to write stuff otherwise, and it just doesn't really work, where I try to jam stuff that that is, you know, like 7-8 and whatever and weird stuff, and I... It's hard for me to grasp, and if I can't grasp it, I'm not really drawn towards it, honestly. But, like I said, I do like a few songs. I don't know their names, but I definitely don't have a favorite. Nick asks, what sandwich is the best? Hmm. I can't say it's the best, but I'm a sucker for a grilled cheese. Grilled cheese or any type of club sandwich with some bacon. I like making grilled cheese at the house with pickled peppers that Chantel makes because they're nice and hot and yummy. So I do that. I don't know. I'll just say I haven't had the best sandwich. How about that? I've had some really good ones, but I haven't had a best. Someone educate me. What is the best sandwich? Tell me. Mr. Brian Torch. This was a while back. He asked the return of design of destiny. That's his, uh, proposal here. Well, the return of DOD is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is because we, we haven't really band chatted or been in the same room much in the last couple of years. And we haven't really written all that much just, uh, here and there. So I don't really have an answer for that, but I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I just, if it does, when it does, no idea. We are all busy and I mean, that's just life, obviously. Everyone's busy. But if you can't really get together or your schedules don't align, it's just really hard to make progress. So hopefully sometime soon we can at least release a single or something. 
maybe a little EP. I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. Brent Wiggins. Brent says, I want to know more about your relationship with Chantel. Has she had any experience with meditation? If so, has it affected the way you both communicate with each other? More insight into why you think you are the person you are now. Struggles, opportunities that have led you here. Well, some of that was addressed earlier in the mindful meditation part. As far as my relationship with Chantel goes and meditation, I don't think that she's had experience meditating. She definitely has not with me around. I don't know if she's ever tried it before, really. She doesn't seem terribly interested, but she also doesn't seem like she gets emotionally compromised that much. And it seems like she has a really good handle on most situations. So maybe she doesn't need it all that much, but she should probably do it. <laughs> as far as affecting the way we both communicate, I would say meditation mindfulness has helped me communicate and receive communication. Whereas times in the past, past relationships, if something were presented a certain way or s sort of argued, I it would be hard for me to back down or fully understand because I'm either getting angry or prideful or whatever. So that has definitely helped me in my incoming and outgoing parts of conversation and communication. I think I am the person I am now because of everything. <laughs> I mean, we, we're all the people that we are because of everything that has happened before now. All of the struggles and opportunities brought us right where we are, which is kind of obvious, I know. Not being a smartass, I'm just saying it's, I can't pinpoint anything specific other than just being more mindful. That word is getting used a whole lot in this one. And it's probably annoying, but it is what it is. It's, uh, I think it's a necessity in order to make sound decisions and consider other perspectives for sure. Bo, this is another older one. Bo asks or says, asks, I don't know. I think I saw a giant amount of peppers on your feed a while back. What do you grow in your garden and what are your tips and tricks? That's a great question, Bo. I don't know because Chantel does all of it. We're done with the gardening now because we've had a couple of freezes, but yeah, we had habaneros, jalapenos, okra, tomatoes, basil, mint. We had Santa Fe something, Santa Fe bell peppers, I think is what it was, and serranos, serranos. So all those did pretty well, pretty, pretty okay, especially habaneros. Those did fantastic. We had a lot of pickled peppers this year, and all of them were fantastic. Oh man, Mark Payne. This is one that I looked at because I didn't know much about it. He says, where's Flight 370? Ah! So I had to do a little research on that and I'll run through a couple of things. Most of this is from the Google, so bear with me. Malaysia, Airlines Flight 370 disappeared on March 8th of 2014. It was on its way to Beijing, had 227 passengers and 12 crew members on board. And from what this says in 2017, the underwater search for flight 370 has ended with no trace of the Malaysian airlines plane being found. While the search has been going on, they found 20 pieces of possible debris by members of the public, but apparently nothing fully confirmed that I've seen. 
An article from the UK's Independent says, Analysis of radar and satellite data shows that it suddenly changed course, flew back across peninsula Malaysia, turning south of Penang to the northwest and then towards the southern Indian Ocean. The plane ultimately ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean west of Australia, thousands of miles from its intended destination. And that's all I've seen, I guess, as far as, and it's not even really confirmation. I mean, I, I didn't see any evidence of it crashing into the ocean. That's just the overall understanding or best guess, I'm assuming. So yeah, that's a very good question. I wish I knew. I wish we all knew because that's fucking crazy that you know, 200 something people are basically just gone without a trace. Philip, how about keeping jobs in America instead of outsourcing them? Hmm. Yes. What about that? I wonder if that's something that we could feasibly do one day. It seems like we are quite dependent or have been quite dependent on certain things from certain places and that kind of sucks. But yeah, I think it would be great to be able to have most of everything in-house, but I also don't see much reason to exclude any outsourcing. It's just, I don't think it should be something that we depend on, obviously. I think all the things that we fully depend on should be in-house, but backup supply or different types of supply could certainly be outsourced, I would think. That's just my opinion at the moment. Uh, an older question from Will. Do you think that the majority of discussions about important issues like politics that occur online have been a net positive or negative and why? I've made some attempts lately to be civil with a few people about some topics that weren't specifically political or particularly contentious, but still ran into problems. It's hard to not feel cynical about this platform. Yes, definitely. Uh, as far as a net positive or negative Mm. I want to say negative, but that's just the majority of what I, I tend to see or tend to focus on. Just, I can't just, uh, it's rare that a really, really positive interaction makes me want to dig deeper. It's usually a negative thing that I read and I think, wow, I wonder what made this person think that. And then I just start digging into it, which is it could be uh, focusing on negativity, but it also could just be my curiosity and understanding how this person's brain works, which is, I can't say that's a bad thing. I want to understand how you came to making the conclusions that you're making. Just like I like to know why I make the decisions that I make. Sometimes my reaction is questionable after the fact, or if I look back on something, why did I react that way? Or why did I say that that way? I think that's a somewhat healthy thing to do. But as far as yeah, this platform and uh, it's tough. I think not just this platform, I think text, text in general, reading things versus hearing or seeing things in person makes a huge difference. Videos certainly, you know, can piss people off if you see something, but there's so much back and forth with text comments that are either taken out of context or misunderstood, misread, misinterpreted altogether. I don't know. It's not the greatest form of communication at all. So I guess I really would lean more towards negative than positive. Oh yeah, Paul. Paul gave me a doozy that I did have to do some research for and I, I, I wrote stuff down, so I'm going to read that. But first, Paul's question. What are the effects of MKUltra and Project Mockingbird upon society? And are they still in effect? And if not, why do you think they are not? 
I'm assuming that's a serious question. So I seriously looked into it and I had to do a refresher on this stuff because it's not something I regularly think about or have delved into much before. As far as what I can gather, MKUltra is more of a mind control based operation on an individual level in order to gather intel or confessions or manipulate people. And Operation Mockingbird is more widespread media based mind control or propaganda. So to answer the question, I don't know the effects of those two upon society because I don't trust most sources online or anywhere enough to fully believe all or any of it to be 100% factual. So it's hard for me to understand the effect on society. If it is factual, what we read online for the most part about this stuff, I think the effects on society could kind of go either way depending on the intentions behind the projects. If misinformation is being given, what is the intention behind that? What's the end game? This subject could certainly produce a very long and drawn out list of possibilities and assumptions, but I'm not currently educated or informed enough in that area to truly take it on. The last part of Paul's question asking if I don't think those things are still in effect, why would I think that? I can't say that I believe they are or are not still in effect, but I think it's absolutely plausible that they are when you consider how much discord and opposing information we seem to get and argue about every day. We can all individually search the internet all day long and find a million different things to help us form our opinions, but so many of those million things we find simply cannot be verified as fact. Or maybe a lot of them are true, but somehow have missing context that could lead you to a slightly different conclusion. Just like we are all dealing with right now as far as the election and information about COVID and masks and all that stuff. There isn't one unbiased source that I know of where we can all come to for correct information from any point of the political or societal spectrum. If you think there is, I would love to know what that source is because we should all know. Anyway, let's just move on to the remaining questions. Oh man, Burke, did Oswald act alone? That's kind of in the same vein of all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. If, if, we, if we don't know for certain at this point, I think probably not. It's hard to believe that one person could go through with everything and I don't know enough about it, honestly. I don't know of anything new that was discovered or decided on in the past 20 years. I have no clue. So I can't really answer that, but I would say it would be a lot easier with help. I mean, when you think about cover-ups or conspiracy theories, if only one person knows what happened, then it would probably be much easier to conceal. I don't know. I would have to do a lot more research on that one to get caught up, honestly, because I don't know. What do you think? Chris, Journey or Def Leppard? Hmm. There are a lot of different perspectives popping through my head right now. I'm thinking of song composition. I'm thinking of riffs, solos, vocal melodies, the effect that the songs have had on a massive group of people. Don't stop believing. Pour some sugar on me. Hmm. I don't know. I think I'm more familiar with Def Leppard stuff than Journey over the years, but I think I might say Journey. I think I might. Forrest Dean, do you think aliens exist or have visited? Hmm, that's a good one. I can't say that I think they exist, but I can't say that I think they don't. <laughs> I think it's extremely plausible that there are other beings out in space. Very plausible. 
Why? I don't know. It's fucking huge out there. And to think that there is no other life anywhere seems just so small-minded. And I don't mean like you have a small brain or that you're a dummy. I just mean you're thinking small. You're not thinking about, you're not thinking about the vastness of space. But as far as them visiting before, I think that's totally plausible too. Where do all of these things come from when people have experiences or what are, where does it all stem from? There's got to be a story, an image, a description of something that caused movies and comics and stories and things to happen, whether it be someone's creation forever ago or an actual event or seeing an actual alien body. I don't think that it would just come from nowhere. I bet there have been visits. The thing is, or the, I guess the real question is, do are they visits that we know about or have any evidence of? That's a head scratcher. All right. I got to wrap this up. Last question I have is from Andrew Patterson, who is the reason why I need to wrap this up. I'm going to go shoot a little video with him today. Andrew asks, what is your meaning of life? Mm, mm, mm. My meaning of life at this moment in time, <sighs> I think my meaning of life is to not make life difficult for anyone else. I don't want to be someone's reason of having a bad day. I don't want it to be the cause of negligence of hitting someone on the road. I don't want to be someone's grudge. I don't want to contribute to someone's negative thoughts. I want to be helpful as much as I can, where I can still preserve my own sanity and happiness. But my goal, I think, is just to try to live a more peaceful existence in general and not make things harder for anyone else. And I think if more people thought similarly, we might all be happier, you know? Hmm. All right. Well, I got to practice a guitar solo before I head out and then uh, start editing this podcast. Yeah. All right, guys. I really appreciate the questions and I hope I can do more of these and have more conversations with buddies and stuff in the future or new buddies, whatever. I don't know what I'm saying, but this is over now. Thanks for listening. I love you. Bye-bye. Rusty's Escape Pod. Rusty's Escape Pod.